Right, so, um, yeah, preaching this morning on physical flourishing. So we've been going through a, a series um, on flourishing and looking at various different aspects of that. Um, and so if you missed Paul's preach on spiritual flourishing last week, um, I really just want to encourage you to watch it on YouTube. Um, it was that good. I watched it like three times this week. Just, yeah, couldn't, couldn't stop, uh, couldn't get enough of it. And the takeaway from that is that we can't truly flourish unless we experience spiritual flourishing in our relationship with God. So if we want to really flourish, we need to connect with God and, and have a relationship with Him. And there's no other way to truly flourish as a human being. And so this week we're looking and exploring another facet of how we flourish and we'll be honing in on our physical being, on our bodies, on what it looks like to flourish physically. Now, it's actually vital to understand that God truly desires and designed us to flourish, not just spiritually, but also physically. And unfortunately, there's this idea that's crept into the church over the ages that, that all God only really cares about is the spiritual. That the physical creation is therefore either evil or not really that important. But this is a distortion. Although God is spirit and the foundations of the universe are spiritual and we therefore cannot flourish without flourishing spiritually, we also need to see that God created matter. He created the physical universe. He created the world and every creature in it. If physical creation were somehow unimportant or even evil, then why would God go to the unimaginable effort of creating the world and populating it with people and animals and fish and insects and a myriad of forms of life? But then not only stop there, but also incarnate himself into that very creation and take on the, a physical body in the form of Jesus Christ. Clearly, it is important to God that his children flourish physically. So what then does it look like to flourish physically? And again, a lot of our thinking around this has been influenced by our culture. And even as followers of Jesus, we've bought wholesale into the cultural narrative. And there's lots of different reasons for that. But I just want to start off this morning by looking at what the culture says about physical flourishing. What does our culture portray as the good life? Well, being healthy, wealthy, and beautiful hashtag blessed. Just look at Instagram. It's about the ultimate self, achieving and lusting after some form of perfection. It's a naked appeal to the relentless pursuit of more. More possessions, more money, more beauty, more approval and acclaim, more likes and views, more sexual expression. As you scroll through the pages of beautiful people showing off their bodies, wealthy people showing off their stuff, Athletic people showing off their skills. I, I, I must confess, I do enjoy that. It's pretty epic. Um, have you considered the subliminal message that's constantly being shouted to your amygdala? That's the part of your brain that processes emotions and stuff like that. Rewards and... Yeah, anyway. Um, at its root, it's the idol of our culture. The self as God. Self-worship. The pursuit of more, more, more for the glory of self. The thing is, if we go back to the garden in Genesis 3, where things started to go wrong with our story, we see that this pursuit is driven not by trust in a good, generous God who gives us an abundance for our enjoyment and blessing, but by the rebellious self. The self is considered the ultimate goal, and the unbridled pursuit of self-actualization and self-fulfillment is vouched as the ultimate picture of the good life. 
and you can get there. Just, you know, if you take enough ice baths, if you eat enough mushrooms, if you follow the right gurus, then you too can have the good life. But what does this result in? Result, results in materialism, consumerism, sexual and physical abuses. It also results in massive, unprecedented depression, self-hatred, and suicide because our fragile self, disconnected from God, cannot cope with the ceaseless pressure of comparison to an ideal that we can never really match up to. Hashtag blessed, really? So then, what does physical flourishing look like according to God? Thankfully, the Bible not only tells us that God did intend for us to flourish physically, it also has a great deal to say about why and how that is. Going back to the garden, we see that God's abundance is manifested in the physical world. Genesis 1 shows this beautifully, just the sheer abundance which God bestowed on the physical world and on humankind. So if you have a Bible here, please turn to Genesis 1 um, and 26 to 31. Otherwise, you're welcome to follow up on the screen. Let's read it together. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, Everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Say very good. Very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Amazing. God sets Adam and Eve into a place of staggering abundance. He plants them into the perfect soil for flourishing. He gives them abundant food fulfilling work, uh, great relationships, and myriad opportunities for blessing and enjoyment. And not only that, but he himself comes into the garden and walks with them every day, every evening. And God's blessing then is this, multiply and fill the earth and govern it as a good and harmonious place for all my creatures. Basically, Adam, marry this hot girl, make lots of babies, and then you'll follow my lead. Create culture and make this place something incredible for my glory and your good. Good grief, how awesome is that? What a mandate, what a generous father. But almost in the same breath, God presents them also with a choice. He sets some limits because he knows the risks involved in this enterprise. He knows that their flourishing derives only from their relationship with and their dependent trust in him. And he sternly warns them of the consequences if they choose to go their own way, to live an independent life. And we see the tragedy. The serpent comes along and twists their minds. 
gets them to believe that God is somehow, after all this abundance that he's poured out on them, that God is somehow shortchanging them, holding out on them. And they succumb to that tool of the devil. It's called FOMO. And they choose the self over God. They choose their own way over his way. And we know how things began to unravel as a result. The rebel self took precedence over the creator God. The resulting fracture sent a schism through the created world and into a world that God created without sickness, violence, decay, and death. All these things entered in and now form part of our lived existence. Not only was their relationship with God and with others affected, but also our relationship with our own bodies and with the created world. Our God-given desires became disordered, and under the warped tutelage of the self-God, they drive us to live in and act in ways that do not lead to flourishing. But thankfully, praise God, all is not lost. So the story of the Bible is the story of God fighting for the restoration of what was lost back there in the garden, and ultimately the renewal of all creation. And he will achieve this through his son, Jesus Christ, and through his bride, the church. And so I want to spend the rest of our time this morning reflecting on how God is at work to restore the physical world and how what we do in response with our bodies matters greatly in that restoration project. Um, who was it? I think the Tuesday Think Night was it Taylor. You mentioned that scripture in Romans 12. Taylor, you should have a YouTube channel. Seriously, that was, that was so good. <laughs> Crisp and clear. Um, Romans 12, 1 to 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay, and so the idea that we have from Scripture of our bodies is that, is that your body is a temple. And Ali, um, I mean, you could just come and preach this morning because she shared so beautifully around this whole uh, this, this idea at prayer this morning. And it's beautiful to see how God leads the threads of a meeting together. But the idea is that our bodies are good creations, and not just that, but they are in fact temples of the living God. They are the very place where heaven and earth meet. And that used to happen in buildings, in, in the temple, the ancient temple, in physical places that people could go to. But we see that through Jesus, a change took place where the physical location of the temple is where you are standing right now. Where you are sitting right now, there is an interchange happening between heaven and earth. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 17, Paul writes, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. And if you think about the temples, or the temple in Jerusalem, this place where God would tabernacle with human beings, where God would come down and meet with people, they were places of, of beauty. They were places that were filled with beautiful symbols. They were well looked after as a sign of honor to the God who inhabited them. And just imagine if someone came and started defacing the sanctuary, started spraying graffiti on the altar, started throwing trash in there and bringing in a whole bunch of noise and smut, it would have been so jarring, so out of place, so destructive and distracting from what was supposed to be happening there. And yet, we tend to do the same thing with our bodies, right? Not realizing that they are God's dwelling place. 
They are set apart as a place where heaven and earth meet and where God's kingdom is manifested and lived out on earth. He's actually, you guys know, the, many of you will know the Bible Project, um, Tim Mackey and John Collins. They have a really incredible one around this uh, podcast, around the temple, and so I really encourage you to go check that out, how uh, our bodies are the place where heaven and earth meet. Anyway, so God designed us to flourish in our physical lives. The life of heaven and the rule of God comes into the earth through the submitted bodies of God's children. And therefore, we are called to glorify God with our bodies. Two scriptures, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. Paul writes, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. He's not talking about spiritual activities there. He's talking about eating and drinking. Stuff that we do every day in our physical bodies. Whatever you do, whether you're eating, whether you're drinking, whether you're playing with your kids, whether you're hanging out with your friends, whether you're going to a bride, sounds awesome, I'm there. Um, <laughs> whatever you do, working, playing, resting, sleeping, you can do all of that stuff to the glory of God because your body is a temple where heaven and earth meet. Colossians 3 verse 17, again, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. We are to glorify God with our bodies. We are to honor God. We are to make God's praises known through what we do with our bodies. We are to make God uh, visible to the world, his beauty, his goodness, his mercy, his love, his greatness, his kindness. Those things become visible through the way that you and I live in the world. It's a massive responsibility. It's quite overwhelming sometimes. But... I just want us to, to pause there and just to consider what does that look like practically? What does that look like practically? And I want to just consider this word fitness, okay? So um, it's actually quite cool because when you think of it, fitness means fit for purpose, okay? So I want you to put aside your Instagram you know, idea of what fitness is and like being jacked or ripped or whatever. Um, fitness means fit for purpose, and that requires a healthy regard for our bodies. And it means that God designed us for active, not sedentary lives. I think in our culture, we've got these two extremes. Either like we try and get away with doing as little as possible physically because you know, we can just actually, we can exist now behind a screen and like you can just order the food to come to you and the drinks and whatever. Like you don't even have to move out of your house. You can just like blob out. And what's that movie with the, I don't know, there's some movie. It was pretty cool where they, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, anyway, but I digress. <laughs> or the other extreme is fitness becomes our reason, reason for existence. It's like the whole purpose of our lives to be as shredded and as ripped and as beautiful as we can possibly be. But the reality is that fitness is fit for purpose. And I want to read you a quote by David Mathis. He writes for Desiring God. And he says, Christians can appreciate the modern term fitness. To call an active, able, healthy human body fit implies that the body is not an end in itself. It's not just for looking at in photos or on stages, but for doing something, moving, taking actions, accomplishing tasks in the world. True fitness means our bodily ability serves other purposes. The body is fit to do something, the question is, fit for what? 
And so the goal for us as believers, when we consider this thing of fitness and health and our body, is to do what we can to improve our energy and longevity so that we might offer longer and more useful service to our master who bought us and paid for us by his own blood in this broken world and find and utilize every opportunity to help and encourage others to trust and follow him for his glory and their eternal well-being. And so I just think, Warren, you're the example that came to my mind. There's Warren, 60 years young. Warren's, you know, he's a pretty fit guy for, for 60, but I just, this is a perfect example of fit for purpose. This guy, week in and week out, is using his muscles and his body and Karen with him, um, and they are setting this place up, they are serving, they are sweating, and, and like, it's incredible, but it's a beautiful example of being fit for purpose. They are using the strength that God has given them to serve others and to make it possible for us to gather and meet here. I tell you all, we would not be, this would not be as nice as it is without those guys. <laughs> be sitting on the floor and yeah not very comfortable <laughs> um, Dallas Willard I, I love listening to Dallas Willard um, he's, a, he's not alive or well, not in this world anymore but um, just a, a wonderful philosopher and teacher of the scriptures and he talks about this life being training for reigning um, and I just thought that was, that was really cool. But it's the things that we do with our body. It's training us for reigning with God in his kingdom. And so the way we respond in this world, the way we use our bodies, is part of our training for reigning. So next time you hit the germ or go for a run or something, just think about training for reigning. That's what you do. <laughs> okay. The next thing I want to look at is the issue of sexuality. Okay. And obviously this is like a whole preach on its own, so I don't want to spend too much time here because we won't have enough time, but of course no discussion of physical flourishing is complete without looking at this matter of sexuality. Our sexuality is deeply integral to our physical being and integral to the very concept of flourishing. Just listen to this excerpt from Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, He's quoting something that someone else is saying, that he says, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. Yes, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Here we've got that picture again of heaven and earth becoming joined in the human body. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is so fascinating, the connection between our bodies being temples of God and the call to glorify God with our bodies and the way that we live out our sexuality. 
if all that mattered was spiritual stuff, then we could easily compartmentalize ourselves, you know, sing praises to God with our spirits while living in utter sexual brokenness and sin. But the Bible gives no such option. It's all connected. What we do with our bodies matters and it matters deeply. If we steal money, for example, if we sin with money, it's, it's out there. But if we sin sexually, it's in here. The stain is, is in our bodies and our souls. And the reality is that our bodies, if you're a Christ follower, don't belong to us anymore. They are His. He takes responsibility for them. He cares for them. And He shows us how to use them in the best possible way. And so again, going back to our grid, what is God's design for our physical flourishing? The time-tested best expression and best institution for human flourishing is a committed, loving marriage between one man and one woman for life. And to our cultural lenses and our disordered desires, this seems so restrictive, so chafing. But yet, who are the truly free? Who are the truly free? Marriage isn't easy. But it is God's ordained vehicle for bringing families into the world where children can grow up in a stable home and where there can be a, a passing on of blessing to future generations, where there can be instruction and encouragement and, and children being raised up in the fear and admonishment of the Lord. And so this is, like I said, a whole topic on its own. I'm sure there will be many forums and opportunities to discuss it more this year. But in essence, the question is the same. Are we going to go glorify God with our body? Or are we going to go our own way? Are we going to choose the way of the self? Are we going to follow what the culture says we should be doing without considering or thinking about what God says is best for us? Okay, so just some practical strategies for health, for living in a place of flourishing. How do we flourish best? How do we live energetically and resiliently to fulfill the good works he has called us to? I don't know about you guys, but having three young kids and being in my 40s now, resilience has become quite, a, <laughs> quite an important word to me because it's like, life don't give you a chance. You're just getting kicked you know, one day after the next and the next thing happens and then your kid's waking up in the middle of the night and you don't sleep and you've got to go to work and we need to be resilient. We need to bring energy to our work. We need to bring energy to our families. And if we don't steward our bodies well, we're going to set ourselves up for utter failure. And so um, just a couple of things that, that are helpful or can be helpful to us in this is um, our sleep and our rest, paying attention to our sleep and our rest. That's especially managing our busyness and our use of technology, um, which is a huge thief of rest. Um, Things like diet and exercise, just basic stuff, like basic things that, that will help us to flourish. So sleep, I mean, there's so much content out there, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but apparently you need seven to eight hours of sleep. I will attest to that. <laughs> I don't function well um, without sleep. Um, and I think uh, if you want to find out more on that, there's a really good book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, and he goes a lot into how we can slow down our lives, how we can manage our relationship with technology in a, in a way that enables us to actually flourish and to live better in this world. So, yeah, I'm going to point you in the direction of a really good resource. Um, 
And again, I don't have this figured out because in terms of sleep, I'm just not great at it. And I'll, I'll confess to you guys now that I suck at putting my phone to bed at night. Like, and it's, it's such a, a robber of my sleep. And then I wake up the next morning filled with regret and irritated with myself because I missed 15 minutes of my quiet time because I was snoozing. And it's just like this vicious cycle. And, and I really just feel like a challenge to myself to, to do this better to access the grace and the strength of the Holy Spirit, to like put that flipping device down <laughs> at a certain time of night and get it out of, you know, out of sight so that you can set yourself up for success the next day. Someone, I can't remember who it was, but was telling me the other day, you, uh, I think it's Nath, quoting John Piper, obviously, because you know, he's got John Piper on tap there, uh, <laughs> like that. Um, but if you're struggling in your quiet time in the morning and you're falling asleep and you're tired, you lost the battle the night before. You lost the battle when you went to bed too late because you were scrolling on Instagram or whatever you were doing. And, and we need to be a, a mindful and aware of these things so that we can live lives that flourish for the glory of God. Mm. And as I said, getting older, energy management is like a crucial, it's becoming more and more crucial. And if I don't have the energy to face my day, things go, go badly. Um, and so another aspect is diet. What are we putting into our bodies? What are we eating? Um, and, and for me as well, like I, I'm first to confess that my diet's not perfect. And um, I definitely am not going to garner much of a following on Instagram if you guys are to see what I eat. But <laughs> I try and eat healthy. Um, and one thing that's really helped me is just implementing a bit of impl- intermittent fasting. Um, and I've just found, like, I used to get super sluggish and sleepy in the middle of the day. And it was really impacting my, my work performance and my ability to bring my best to, to work. Um, and since doing the intermittent fasting thing, I just I find my energy levels during the day are completely different. Um, and so that's really helped me. I don't know if, if there's anyone else that, that has tried that, but yeah, it has helped me. And then just realizing as well, like limiting sugar and foods that actually suck our vitality and our life. And um, yeah, again, just our, our window of opportunity in this world is so limited. Do we really want to um, impact that and harm that by putting junk into our bodies and having zero energy um, to do the things we need to do for God. And then exercise. Um, exercise, like I, I really enjoy exercising, so that's a blessing to me. I know there's many people who don't enjoy exercising. Um, but, I mean, there's been seasons in my life where just life has been really hectic and really busy, and it's been really hard to actually do some form of exercise. And then you kind of fall off the wagon, and then it's like super hard to get back into a rhythm. Um, but I just know that if I if I do it, then I'm going to feel so much better and I'm going to have so much more energy. And I mean, I just remember in one of the busiest seasons of my life, like I didn't do anything for a while and then just had this kind of like idea, just do five minutes, just do something, just like go and do some push-ups and some pull-ups and, or just do some stretching or like a mobility routine or something, you know, and just five minutes of exercise and like, then you actually feel so much better already because you did your five minutes and then it's like, well, actually, now I can do 10 minutes. Now I can do 15 minutes. Um, and it, yeah, it just has a marked impact on your ability to live with energy. So, yeah, just want to encourage us towards that. And uh, just a trainer that I, um, that I read up on sometimes, Connor O'Shea, um, he gives a really helpful tip, which is just put down what your worst case scenario is. Like your worst week when everything goes pear and your kids are sick and your work is through the roof and what's, what's the bare minimum that you need to get by? If it's two 15-minute 
sessions of exercise a week, then do that. And then in the better weeks, you can exceed that. But just stick to the bare minimum. Um, and it's just, I just really find that the habits that we begin to build into our lives are the things that actually shape our character. And someone said, our character shapes our destiny. So just being mindful around the habits that we are building. And it can, it can go either one way or this way. We can build good habits and we can begin to reap the fruit of that in our lives and we can build bad habits, like getting sucked into social media. Um, man, can you tell this stuff is a frustration for me. <laughs> David Mathis again says, Unlike our world and its extremes, we as Christians have a higher calling, flowing from the very purpose of God himself and the universe, to put brother ass to work in the service of love to the glory of God. <laughs> okay, let me just explain that. That's actually a quote from C.S. Lewis. Um, and the, the ass as in donkey ass, not the, not the other. <laughs> Dev was like, are you sure you want to put that quote in there? Um, but I just thought that was, that was a really great um, picture of our bodies. It's like the stubborn mule that you sometimes have to just give a bit of a kick to like get it moving. Um, but it's actually, you know, once it's moving, it's really useful and really serviceable and really... Um, can do a lot of good. So let's put our brother ass to work in the service of love to the glory of God. <laughs> okay, and then just want to also talk about what happens when we are not flourishing, when it seems like we're not flourishing. And I know there's going to be seasons in our lives where we really don't feel like we are flourishing in our bodies for various reasons. Um, this morning when I woke up, irony of ironies, preaching on physical flourishing, and I felt anything but like I was flourishing. I was like stiff, and my joints are sore, and I had to go and like roll on the foam roller and just do some gentle stretching, and just like <laughs> took me a while to get going. It was not no, it was not feeling great. Um, this 40s thing is is so overrated. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, what do we do in in our seasons where we are not flourishing? And there's various things, sickness, exhaustion, chronic pain. Have you ever noticed how when you're sick, it drains your spiritual vitality? I know if I have a bug or something and I'm man down, like the last thing I feel like doing is praying and reading my Bible. I just want to like, ugh. Thank you. Right. Acts 10, 36 to 38. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And so, if you're a believer and you suffer from an illness maybe even a debilitating chronic illness or chronic pain, what do we do? Where do we find hope in these moments? For some of us, it's a long journey. I mean, yeah, you can get a, you know, a bug and you can feel better the next week. But what if you've got like long-term health issues that are extremely debilitating and frustrating? First of all, we keep praying and asking others to pray for us. As part of the community of God and a member of Christ's body, you should not suffer alone. The state that you're in is not what God intended for you. And we need to pray for each other. God is the healer. Second, we ask, is there something that I can do? Something I can change? Some habit I can begin to implement that will help in some way? Um, 
I just, yeah, last year was quite a challenging year for me personally. Um, and I, there was a point where I was completely overwhelmed. I was exhausted. I was just struggling physically, emotionally, and mentally. Um, and I remember one morning in my quiet time, just going before God and just being like, God, what? What are the things that I can change? Show me the things that I have control over. Because there was a whole bunch of stuff I had no control over and like that was overwhelming enough. But there were some things that I had control over that I could change um, and just made a, started making a list. Making better food choices, getting to bed on time, getting off social media, um, making an appointment with a therapist, going to talk to someone. Um, and these were things that had a, a marked impact on my life and my well-being. Um, they were things that were within my control. And um, I know, I understand there are some of you who are doing what you can and have done what you can and you still are in that place. Um, and yeah, it's so tough. And that's why third, when we're in that place, we hope in the resurrection and the new creation. We look to Jesus, the author, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I want to end off with this, that Jesus suffered physically so that we could flourish eternally. Romans 8, verse 10 to 11 says, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, or if you are suffering, or if you're in pain, or if you're sick, your body is dead or dying. It is, it is not in the place that God intended. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. And so by his suffering and death, Jesus turned away from and willingly gave up his right to physical flourishing. He came into this broken world. He embraced poverty, lack, suffering, and unimaginable pain so that we who lost our right to flourishing could experience restoration, renewal, redemption, and so we turn to Him in our pain. We give Him our burdens. We look forward to the glorious day when He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's Revelation 21, verse 4 to 5. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads? Father, I thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God and the author of life who gave us physical bodies, who gave us life. Lord, even right now, the breath that we're drawing into our lungs is a gift from you, Lord. Everything we have, Lord God, as pertains to our spiritual life and our physical life, is from you, Father. Father, we want to come before you this morning, Lord, and we want to repent, Lord. I want to repent. I confess, God, that I am an idolater, God, that I have worshipped the, the false idol of self, God, and I have allowed the culture to dictate to me what the good life is, God, and I have pursued the things that have not brought flourishing into my life in many ways, God. Father, I repent and I confess my need of you, Lord. And we repent and we confess our need of you in this moment right now. 
Father, thank you that we are temples of the living God. I pray for a revelation of that this week, Lord God, in our hearts and lives, that it would transform the way we see ourselves, transform the way we see and view and treat our bodies, Lord God, that we would respect them as temples of the living God and that we would allow them to be useful in your hands and that we would begin to train for a life of reigning, God, an eternal reigning with you, And Lord, it starts with submission to Jesus Christ. It starts with humbling ourselves before this great King who died for us and gave his life so that we could flourish. Father, I want to pray for any this morning who are sick in their bodies or in pain, Lord. I thank you that you care, Father, that you are intimately involved, Lord. You have such compassion for them where they are right now, Lord. I know there are people here this morning, Lord who are suffering, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for the life of Christ, the resurrection life of Jesus, Father, to flow into their bodies right now, to bring healing and wholeness, Lord God, to give hope of the resurrection, Father. All of us are going to die one day, Lord God. Our physical life on this earth will come to an end. But Lord, we look to you and we trust you for a renewed creation, a new body, Lord God that you will raise us up at the last day and all of the things, all of the brokenness, God, that we live in here will be gone, Father. I pray for hope to fill our hearts this morning, Lord. Father, where we have messed up sexually, Lord God, where we have deviated from your design, where our disordered desires have led us into, into pain, Lord God, and led us into poor choices and bad decisions, God, Father, I pray this morning just for the grace to turn to you in repentance. To say, Father, I'm sorry. I want to stop going my way and I want to go your way. And I want to pray, Lord, for a release of the shackles of shame over us, Lord, where that is the case. I want to pray for a new freedom. I want to pray for a purity of heart, Lord God. I pray that we would represent you well that we would steward our bodies well for your glory, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.